Turn in your Bibles to the book of James. James, the half-brother of Jesus, the brother of Joseph and Judas and Simon. We've shortened his name to Jude to make it more palatable. In Hebrew, this name is Yaakov, which if you go from Hebrew to English, it's Jacob. Over the years, the Y sound became a J. So Jacob, Jacob. Going from Hebrew, Yaakov, to Greek, it became Yaakomus, because males have an S at the end of their name. Who's heard of St. Nicholas? Not Nicola, but Nicholas. And so uh, the same thing happened with Jesus, Hebrew, Yeshua, going to English becomes Joshua, the Y becomes a J. Going to Greek, it becomes Jesus as he was a boy, not a girl. And to English from Greek is Jesus. The name, some people think that the language of the name is so significant that you can't use any other language. But the Bible says that there's coming a time when every knee is going to bow and every tongue, that's every language. If you got two knees, they're hitting the ground. And if you speak a language, it's going to confess in your language Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christo El Senor, Jesus Christ is Lord, will be said in your language. God created the languages, and they were made to glorify him. Can I get an amen? amen. So Jamus or James, if you meet someone, their last name is Jacobs, you remember this, he begins his letter Verse 1, speaking to the 12 tribes of Israel, which reminds me of the last part of Genesis when the first Jacob gathered his 12 sons around him, the father of the 12 tribes. But before we go to reading this, I just want to talk about this series. We're calling it Fixes for a Fruitful Faith. The word fix is not just a sign that you're from Texas. How many are fixing to go to dinner? And it's not just something that an addict craves, who's ever craved a fix. And it's not just repair, who's need your car fixed. God is so good when you're in a fix, he'll fix a fix to fix you so that you can stay fixed. In a discussion with Elder Greg, in the world of navigation, he was in the Coast Guard and an air flight controller, you need to find where you're located before you can determine how to get to where you're going. And they call that fixing your location, getting a fix. In ancient maritime, they use the sextant, which is still used today, where you compare the horizon to certain stars, even the sun, and you triangulate to find out exactly where you are. And this technology goes all the way back to Arabs in the desert. He used a string with some kind of device with a hole in it to fix their location. Because if you don't know where you are, you won't know how to get to where you're going. So the book of James, like the Proverbs of the Old Testament, will fix the location of where you are so that you can determine where you need to go. It's almost like a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. 
So let's turn to the book of James, chapter 1. He introduces himself, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, considered himself a servant of his brother, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. Shalom, y'all. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, perseverance, endurance. People in the realm of athletics will go through testings, trials, hardships on their body so they, they can get in shape to compete. And so trials do that. They develop tenacity in us. They develop strength in us. Like King David faced the giant with courage because of previous tests. He faced a lion, overcame him. Faced a bear, overcame him. Faced a giant, overcame him. Faced Jerusalem, overcame that. Faced Saul, overcame him in God's timing and God's methods. So patience develops us, creates us for future endeavors. We are too weak to do what God has called us to do. So we've got to be made strong. I'm talking to somebody. Maybe you're going through hell. When you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep on going. <laughs> Endurance is being developed in us through tough times. Preparing us for the future, where what God has called us to do will not be difficult, will not be so hard. I shared last time I spoke on this subject a couple weeks ago that my family of siblings and I went through sickness over a two-year period. The mumps, chicken pox, three-day measles, two-week measles, the flu, whooping cough. Did I say the mumps? Chicken pox. All that stuff that we get shots for now, we, we had to go through those to develop our immunities because two years later from the, when the trial started, we were in Liberia, a country called the white man's graveyard. There's so many sicknesses. The lifespan there at the time, life expectancy wasn't what it is in the States. And with minimal injuries and a couple bouts with malaria, and I had an amoeba once and my dad did too, we came through victoriously. Why? Tenacity, immunity had been developed. With all the vaccination debate going on in the culture, what is the medical field trying to get, do? They're trying to induce a trial to make you stronger so that you can overcome. So here he's talking about trials and the fact that the testing of our faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I know we're complete in him, but sometimes we don't taste that completeness on this side of the world because we're so weak. We give up, we surrender, we wrestle with bitterness, hard feelings, hard hearts, and yet the Lord is developing in us a character where we can come to the place where we let it go. Let it go, let it go. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Why does he bring that up? 
Because if we're going to have patience and endurance and face trials appropriately, it takes wisdom. He's not changing the subject. It's the same paragraph. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's something, right? Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. Tell somebody, be wise. You ask God in faith. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. We're going to come back to this. What is double-mindedness? Double-mindedness is praying for what you want and then not liking what you get. Now, I believe there's a place for tenacity in prayer. Continue, pray without ceasing. But there is a place for surrendering to the answer that comes your way and realizing you need it. And sometimes the wisdom God sends our way, what we need to do, we don't want to do it. Wrong answer, God. That's double-mindedness. We say we want wisdom, and then we reject it. Verse 9, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. So if we put our trust in our riches, when we are humbled, when we experience great loss, we are to glory in our humiliation. Because our trust can no longer be in our riches. They often disappear. Can I get an amen? So when the lowly brother is exalted, he can rejoice. But in his exaltation, he must glory in the Lord ultimately. Because victories can be short-lived as well. Who knows that's true? Verse 11, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. If you put your trust in your riches, guess what? They're going to somebody else when you die. You seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? Google that sometime. Not right now. It's a funny picture. Some funeral home must have been moving, and there's a hearse pulling a U-Haul. If they bury you with your riches, guess what? Somebody's digging you up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Riches will fade away. So our trust, our hope is in the Lord. And when he exalts us, we rejoice. But our trust, our hope is still in him. Humiliation always comes before exaltation. So if in your trial you're being humiliated, guess what? God's setting you up to be exalted. And when he does, you won't be prideful. Why? Because you've been humbled. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Here we come back to the subject. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised. Can you say promise? Promise to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So when you're in a trial, you may look for someone to blame and become vindictive or have malice in your heart or even be angry at God, but God doesn't tempt us to do evil. Well, I just need to take it out on somebody. Um, Jesus had everything taken out about him, upon him that he was not guilty of. I plead the blood. I love the blood of Jesus. It's synonymous with his life. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. When we see blood, it speaks to us. It speaks of injury, could point to a crime. When things are a bloody mess, that is an extreme expression of how bad things can be. When there's bad blood between people, that means the relationship has been severed in some form or fashion. But the blood of Jesus that speaks better things than that of Abel's, which cried out for vengeance from the ground, the first innocent man to be murdered. Jesus' blood was the most innocent. His life was poured out for us. Blood is a transportation system. It carries nutrients and oxygen to every cell in our body and carries away dead cells and waste from every cell of our body. The blood of Jesus brings life to us and carries death away from us. So our trust is in him, and we plead his blood. Are you guilty? Not guilty. I plead the blood. And the same goes to those that have harmed us. Jesus died for their sins too. And he's as close as the mention of his name on their deathbed. All they have to do is cry out in faith, Jesus. And we have a promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So God doesn't tempt us with evil, but he made a provision for us to be forgiven of our evil through the shedding of the blood of Christ. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So when we're in a temptation, we're going to be tempted in the middle of that. God has nothing to do with that. That's our own weakness. So while he's making us stronger through the trials that come our way, just live a while. They will come your way. The next sentence speaks to us. Starting the next paragraph, we won't continue through the paragraph. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So God's not tripping up his children to the point that they fall into sin, but he's bringing us to a place of humility, to the point of surrender to him in preparing us for the future so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing including wisdom. Today I would like to speak to you on the subject of honoring the pursuit of wisdom. Can we say wisdom? wisdom. Have four points. I always push the rule. You're supposed to have three points in a poem. <laughs> Otherwise people can't remember the sermon. Chances are they can't even remember the first of the three points. So we may as well go for it. If you, this is not like a recipe for success. This is a list of ingredients that if you add them to your life, just one of them, they can change your life today. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear the truth you have for each unique individual in the house. In Jesus' name, amen. So in talking about the honoring the pursuit of wisdom, we're going to look at four questions. Where can wisdom be found? When should we pursue wisdom? How should we pursue wisdom? 
Why must we pursue wisdom? Where can wisdom be found? In finding wise counsel. If you're needing wisdom, sometimes the Lord will lead you to pursue someone older than you, someone wiser than you, maybe someone more educated than you, or maybe someone that has an expertise in a given area. When we built this building, there were times we weren't sure what to do, and we would pay someone as a consultant who was wiser than the builders, the official builders of this place, to make sure we built this thing right so it wouldn't come down on our heads. We found wise counsel. The Bible talks about pursuing wise counsel. Look at this. Proverbs 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So if you're not sure about the counsel you got, talk to somebody else. Now, don't be like the guy that just keeps seeking counsel and doesn't take anybody's counsel. He's just looking for counsel that agrees with what he thinks already. So if you've already got your mind made up, you don't want any opinions from anybody else, then don't pursue wise counsel. And when things go wrong, don't uh, blame anybody. Chapter 12 of Proverbs, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Can we say wisdom? wisdom. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. Proverbs 24, 8. For by wise counsel, you shall wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Can we say counsel? Wisdom is something to be pursued. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's important. Do you know wisdom will reduce the number of personal prayer requests in your life? Not saying we'll never have prayer requests because of wisdom, but they will reduce the number of them. Proverbs 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Proverbs 3.13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all things you may desire cannot compare with her wisdom. Proverbs 4, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. 
Proverbs 8, verse 10. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I think wisdom is something we can covet and not sin. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. 19, verse 8. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. And finally, Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel you shall wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. The world is at an all-time high for the lack of wisdom. It's at an all-time high for the abundance of knowledge. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Knowledge is knowledge, facts, information, theories and, and proven theories, and history and what has happened and what could happen. But wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge. You can have more degrees than a thermometer and no wisdom. And that education doesn't do you any good. So in these days of easy credit, trust me, my kids were getting credit card applications in the mail before they left home. It's like, what? You don't even have a job. We need wisdom. As your buying power increases, you need wisdom. It's responsibility. We have to have wisdom. Where can wisdom be found? In finding wise counsel, in seeking the only wise God out of all the gods in this world, whether they're heroes from Hollywood or heroes from Nashville or some false deity, none of them are wise compared to Almighty God. Amen. Romans 16, 27. He's closing out his book. To God alone wise, Paul writes, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. 1 Timothy 1, Paul's opening the first chapter of his letter to this young preacher. Verse 17, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We used to sing that. Unto the king eternal, unto the king immortal, Unto the King invisible, the only wise God, the only wise God. Unto the King be honor and glory, unto the King forever. Unto the King be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. If you want to learn scripture, sing it. It'll stick to your bones. Jude, another brother of Jesus, honors him towards the end of his letter. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. When should we pursue wisdom? When? You just wake up and say, I need more wisdom. 
No. Whenever you need wisdom, you'll know it. You'll just know it. You'll find yourself under stress. You'll find yourself needing to make a decision. You might find yourself arguing with your mate. You need wisdom. Yvette and I on Tuesday will be celebrating our 46th. We're still together. We're still together because we sought wisdom. We sought wisdom. I had a lady call the church one time and says, I need a preacher to marry me. I said, well, I'll do it, but I'd like to meet with you for a couple hours first, you and your spouse, so for premarital counseling. Oh, I don't want to do that. I said, why not? Why don't you? I mean, if something goes wrong with your car, you take it to somebody to work on it, right? Why not? Oh, I know what I'm doing. I've been married six times. <laughs> Whenever we need wisdom, we just read this, verse 2 of James 1, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When that happens, you're needing some wisdom. When should we pursue wisdom? As often as we lack wisdom. When we realize we lack it. We read this earlier, verse 5 of James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, it's time to ask for it. No one ever requests prayer when everything's going great. But when you're having to make some tough decisions, you need some wisdom. If it's medical, Decisions you have to make, there's maybe a good chance a second opinion might come in order from somebody that knows about it. How should we pursue wisdom? By asking our generous God for wisdom. Ask Him for it. We read this earlier, verse 5 again. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will, can we say will, be given to him. You may not like it, but he has wisdom for us. How should we pursue wisdom? By asking in faith, asking our generous God in faith without any doubts. We say faith. He goes on, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind but let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Lord, I want your wisdom. Oh, I don't like that. Lord, I want your wisdom. No, I don't like that. The fact is you don't want wisdom. You want confirmation on what you believe because it's your turn now to live your life. Maybe others have lived your life for you. Maybe you've come out of slavery and you're tired of being bossed around because you were a slave. Now you have freedom. Guess what? You still need wisdom. This was the problem in the wilderness. Those people were fed up with being told what to do, and they gave Moses fits in his leadership. But I don't care how unjust our past was. The fact is we all need wisdom. All of us. Here's a public service announcement. From Lifeline Productions. This guy is praying for something and God is answering it and he's not liking the answer. Check this out. Hey Bob, you want to turn down the stereo? I'm going to go to my room and pray for a while. Yeah, no problem. Oh Lord, 
All I want to do is please you. Just let me know what it is you would have me do, Lord. Hey, Frank, Ed's here and he needs some old clothes for the mission. You want to give him your old leather jacket? No way. I can get $20 for that easy. Yeah, okay. Oh, Lord. Your will is all I want. Just lead me and I will follow. Ed's also helping with the food drive at church. Wants to know if you can help. Hey, stacking lima beans all weekend is not my idea of excitement. Okay, I'll tell him you'll be busy. Fine. Oh, Lord. I just want to do great things for you. Hey, Frank, Dugan just called. He got kicked out of his dorm and needs a place to stay. Can he stay here for the night? No way, man. Dugan's a hog. Tell him to call Ed. Okay. Oh, Lord. Anything you want, just tell me. Prayer. It's more than just talking to God. Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. Is that us or what? Is that us? <laughs> if the shoe fits, where a hint for the wise will be sufficient. Why must we pursue wisdom? There are reasons why. I think you'll like them. The fruit of wisdom brings blessings. That's why. James 1 verse 12, we read this. Blessed is a man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That happens because of wisdom. Enduring temptation. Every team needs a good coach, someone wiser than the players to make sure they don't kill themselves training but to make sure they better themselves so they don't get killed on the field. How about Toller, Texas, guys? Let's hear it for Toller. They played at AT&T Stadium, sometimes known as Jerry's World, competing for state championship. Why must me pursue wisdom? Not exercising wisdom. Once you get it, you need to exercise it could make us vulnerable to sinful temptations. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Why are we tempted with evil when we go through something tough? Sometimes because we're not receiving wise counsel. Either we're not pursuing it, and our flesh is telling us what to do, or someone taking up our grudge is telling us what to do. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So wisdom is equated with thinking, isn't it? When your child exercises a lack of wisdom or doesn't exercise wisdom, we say, what were you Thinking, right? In the late 19th century, Rodin, Auguste Rodin, a French sculptor who's credited with being a lot like Michelangelo with clay and then later bronze sculptures, sculpted this guy. These sculptures are all over the world, not that he made, but posthumously upon his death, these things began to multiply, the thinker. This is the original one. The context of this 
is where I'm going because ultimately wisdom deals with eternity. This guy is sitting at the top of two doors, sculptured doors, called the gates of hell. He originally didn't call it the thinker, he called it the poet. A poet named Dante had written something, a well-known poem, about hell. So he's there as the poet, maybe, thinking about the gates of hell. Uh, Now he's called the thinker. We zoom in, this is him, surrounded by tormented souls, considering the destiny of his soul. Have you considered, in your wisdom, the destiny of your soul? Are you ready to face death? No, nobody is. But it is as sure as there are taxes, a sure thing. One day you're going to meet your maker. In your wisdom, have you considered what's going to happen at that point? So here comes some counsel for you to consider between you and God. There is a sure way to eternal life made by the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life willingly that was taken from him unjustly so that God could do the great script flip and apply his guiltlessness to the record of the guilty. In Romans, you'll discover this. Our forefather Adam sinned And we all live with the consequences. If you quit your job, your children are going to live with the consequences. It's just the way it works in the real world. Children are impacted, descendants are impacted by the life of their parents. So through one man, sin came into the world. So that principle... applies in the reverse. Through one man shedding his blood, righteousness came into the world. That just as you were made sinful, a sinner separated from God and one another by the sin of one man who started all this mess, you can be restored to walk with God through the righteousness of one man, Jesus Christ, whom the scriptures call the last Adam. Somebody said the second Adam. That implies there's going to be another one. No, he's the last one. And through his bloodline, we access his blood by faith and by calling on his name. You see, we get our blood from our forefathers, but we also get our name, do we not? We could be impacted by the reputation of our forefathers and their literal name. Through the name of Jesus, we can short that circuit out and switch over and have the great conversion happen, where now you are blessed by another reputation. You are set free to embrace another name that's above every other name. And one day, every knee is going to bow and every language is going to confess that he is
Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, recognizing our need for wisdom. I pray, Lord, if any of us are not ready to meet you, I pray, Lord, we would consider the claims of the good news, the gospel, and embrace this exit from the road to hell, this narrow path that you offered where you guaranteed eternal life to those who would follow you and repent of their sins. Lord, I pray if anyone here today needs this wisdom, may they receive this wisdom, may they embrace this wisdom, and may they act on it. In Jesus' name, amen. As the praise team comes forward to lead us in a final song, I want to challenge you to pursue wisdom. Wisdom is more precious than gold and silver. We used to sing another song, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares with you. He declared himself to be wiser than Solomon, who at the time was known as the wisest man that ever lived, although he didn't always act on it. So there are people in this room that have wisdom. Allow people to access it. Share your secrets. Don't be selfish with them. You can't force them on others. But by all means, live out the wisdom you have. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.
We serve a God that knows everything, but there's some things he does not know. Oh, that's heresy. No, it's not. Stick with me. God does not know any sin that he doesn't hate. If you don't think there's such a thing as sin, read the newspaper. It separates people from their stuff, separates people from their relationships, it separates families, it separates people from him. He hates it. The second thing he doesn't know is he doesn't know of a sinner he doesn't love. Whosoever surely meeteth me, whosoever will may call on the name of the Lord and be saved. He doesn't know of a sinner he doesn't love. So that creates a dilemma. There's no sin he doesn't know of that he that does not hate, and there's no sinner that he knows of that he does not love. He knows of no other way to save sinners that he loves from sin that he hates other than through a relationship with Jesus. He is the Savior. And the fourth thing he doesn't know is he doesn't know of a better time than right now to save sinners that he loves from sin that he hates through a relationship with his son than today. Today is the day of So I'm going to just pray a sample prayer. Repeating after me saves no one. But if in your heart you will cry out to God and pray something like this, this can begin a relationship with you. And you're surrounded by people in this room that have done this very thing. So pray with me. Oh God in heaven, I call on your name. Lord Jesus, save me from my sins. Show me how to follow you. I repent and turn from my wickedness. And I say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Make me new. You can pray like that and begin something new. And the next step for you is to begin to meet regularly with believers and learn how they're following him in this world that is filled with temptation. There's a word called justification that he does for us. We all have wicked past. How are we saved from a life tormented by regrets? A life laden down with heavy burdens of guilt? How does that get lifted off of us? The Lord justifies us by placing that sin on his son. And he distinctly remembers paying for your guilt and mine so that that burden can be taken away. You'll be justified. Someone said, yes, just as if I never sinned. That's not exactly the way it is because you did sin. But you're justified, clean, free to live for him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom peace, the wholeness that he gives that comes from Calvary's conquest and not from mankind's compromise. And may you know where you lack wisdom and may you pray and receive it from the Lord. And if it includes seeking counsel, may he lead you to the right people to seek counsel from. God with skin on. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Go get them, tigers. 
He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. 